All right, all right. We are gathered again. Happy Sunday. My name is Tony, by the way. If you did not know, I am the EM pastor here at TLC. We are in a series called North Point. North Point. Let me, let me share with you the story. I went to Francis Scott Key Elementary School. Uh, how many of you guys know who Francis Scott Key is? Oh, Lord. Right? If you guys didn't know, Francis Scott Key was the guy who wrote the poem that eventually became the national anthem of America. Right? The Star Spangled Banner. It was a poem that he wrote that um, he experienced something and he wrote this poem and it ultimately became our national anthem for this country. Now, I was confused as a kid, immigrant kid growing up, you know, in my household. I didn't know much about America at that time. And every single um, day, actually every Monday, we would walk out to our flagpole and we would sing that song and we would pledge allegiance. And I remember I would try to sing, I mean, I sang the song too. I just sang with everybody. I had no idea what those words were talking about. I didn't know what the Star Spangled Banner was. I didn't know what broad stripes, bright stars meant. I didn't know what a parapet was. I was like, I was just singing words, right? And then eventually I asked my teacher, I said, hey, uh, Ms. Wollner, what, what, what does it mean, the national anthem? What, what, what's this whole thing about? Can you explain this to me? She, so she sat us down. It was like a little quick uh, history lesson. She said, let me tell you guys a story. It was the War of 1812, right? The Second War with Great Britain. Had a disagreement with them over some trade deals. And so they decided to come back after we kicked them out. They decided to come back and wage war against us. They burned down our White House. They burned down our Capitol building. They burned down our library. They were going to come and attack the biggest part of the trade that was the And in that time, Francis Scott Key was trying to negotiate a trade deal with the British, for the British people to free the French. And so he went to Fort McHenry, got on a British um, naval ship, and asked them for the release of his friend. But the British would not release his friend. As a matter of fact, they actually captured him said, sit here and wait and watch as they go down to this fort. And so the whole night goes on. We had cannons and fire when they wanted out. Fires here and there with gunshots. People fighting. There's a boy going on. And for sure, for sure, it felt like, it seemed like the British Navy was out there. So Francis got here and sat there waiting for John. Up in the same window himself, right? What he saw was smoke smoke dissipating British ships there. back seeing kids being captured or uh, put into sex trafficking, seeing families being broken, seeing hopelessness around the world, coming back to America disillusioned by the idea of the Western culture saying that there is good in humanity. Right? Coming back and as I go down the escalator of LAX, if you guys have ever been down the escalator, you will see the ginormous American flag. And every time I see that, I'm always grateful for one thing. I'm grateful for the fact that there is freedom here in this place. 
So every time we look at the flag, the one thing that drives us, the one thing that reminds us, the one thing that puts us back in the right place, the fixed point, that there's freedom where that flag flies, right? And that's why I love this country, right? Just a caveat there. In the same way, 2020, we want you guys to recognize your north point. We want you guys to recognize your fixed point that God has set up for you. There are moments in your life, there are probably moments that's already happening in your life where you feel disillusioned, you feel despair, you feel darkness, you feel like you're running in circles, you feel like you're overwhelmed, you feel like you're stuck and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go. And God is saying all you need to do is look again at your fixed point. I have given you a north point that if you will walk down that way, you will walk always down the road of destiny. You will always walk down the path of purpose. If you would see your north point and continue that journey, instead of trying to take all these little detours along the way, instead of trying to put it all into your own hands and do it yourself, if you would look at your north point and walk that way, you will see the destiny and the purpose I have planned for you. Do you guys realize that? Do you realize that you, do you understand that, that God, if you call Jesus Christ Savior and Lord, from the moment you call upon his name, he has given you purpose. He has given you destiny. And look at the person next to you and say, you have destiny. Oh, you got to look at the answer. You have destiny, right? You are more than just, I am going to live. I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to get a wife or a husband, I'm going to bust out a couple of kids, I'm going to have a vacation, I'm going to retire, and I'm going to die. That you are more than that neutral storyline narrative that this world is trying to give to you. You have been given a narrative of destiny, of purpose, and of glory. If you would keep your eyes fixed on the north point, if you would keep your eyes fixed on the path, that God has laid out for you. And so today we've been talking about these, these points to help us kind of come back to it. Evan talked about a couple of weeks ago about the point of spiritual gifts. That you have been gifted. That when you find yourself disillusioned, despaired, lost, you ask yourself the question, am I using the gifts that God has given to me for the blessing of others? Am I offering these gifts now for the blessings of those around me or am I merely sitting on these gifts waiting, hoping for something else to happen? Or here's a better question. Do you even know your gifts? You see, the only way in which you can know your gifts is that you step into the process of service. You put yourself into the furnace of challenge. That you find yourself willing to be forced to grow. You put yourself in awkward situations where you're going to be forced to actually use some of these gifts that you have. You will never discover it if you just sit there and say, hey, let it come to me. The only way you will discover your gift if you step into it. And if you did, and if you do know your gifts, my other question now is this, are you using your gifts? Because God is saying, if you're going to walk towards a journey of purpose, if you're going to walk towards a destination of glory, if you're going to go where I'm sending you to go to, you got to know your gifts. But you're not just knowing your gifts, you got to use your gifts for my kingdom. You got to use your gifts for my purpose. You got to use your gifts for what I've made you for. See, I can give you the gifts, but you got to be able to want to use it. Right? God can give you the gifts, but if you're not using your gifts, then you are 
pretty much going a different direction than he's having, having before. Right? A lot of us just want things just to happen, but we're not willing to be groomed in, our, in order to let it happen. You guys follow me? A lot of us want the, the, the quick accolades, the affirmation, the influence, the power, but you're not willing to let God groom you into the process of getting there. You're not willing to step into the area of like, I don't know my gifts. I got to discover my gifts. Let me just do it. And even when I start doing it and I fail, I'm going to keep on doing it because I know I have a destination. I know this is my gift. And eventually God is going to take this and he's going to make something with, with it. How many of us, when you have a gift, you start off trying it and it didn't work out for you? You, you, you kind of just give up on it because you're thinking, ah, oh, that'll never happen. Do you realize something? If, if this is your trajectory, if God is saying at the 15th try, you're going to make it, are you really going to give up on the third try? Right? If God is telling you at the 15th person that has rejected you, I guarantee you the 16th person, you will walk down. You will walk them down the journey of faith. Will you not walk through the 15th just to get to that 16th? Sometimes we get rejected once, we get rejected twice, we get rejected three times, and we're thinking, that's it, I'm done, we walk away. But God is saying, there's a purpose. There's a grooming process. Keep walking. Are you using your, sp your spiritual gifts for the blessing of others? Are you stepping into the journey of service? Right? Last week I talked about this. Not only are you supposed to use your gifts for the blessing of others, but the question is, do you have a community by which you can use your gifts in? Do you have a community by which you will exercise your gift? Not just a place that you go to on Sunday, kind of like sing a couple of songs, be inspired by a few words, but actually you come to a community where you're investing in the lives of those around you. It is not enough just to come to a Sunday service. It is a good start. For those of you guys on your early part of your Christian journey, it is a great start. The fact that you even show up here, praise the Lord. But if you are been here, if you've been here, Right? And you've walked here and you still just show up here. God's saying, are you part of a community that you're invested in? Part of a diverse community that you're willing to work with different people to make things happen? Are you part of a community which you're willing to love even when it's hard for them to love? Hard for you to love them. Are you part of a community like that? Because if you're feeling disillusioned, despair, darkness, you're feeling yourself trapped? Are you feeling yourself wondering, what am I doing with my life? Are you feeling yourself running in circles, panicked, lost, confused, stuck? Could it be that you are not moving towards your north point? Could it be that you're trying to do every single possible thing out there, but you're not moving towards the point that God has given to you? And he's saying, look at your life. I have saved you for destiny. Why are you not using your gifts for glory? I have saved you. Right? For community. Why are you not in a community that is going to walk you towards glory? And so today, I want to talk to you guys about, right? I want to talk to you guys about the third point. The third indication of a north point. And it's love. In the midst of your despair, in the midst of disillusionment, in the midst of being in darkness, in the midst of running in circles, panicked. Wondering what am I doing with my life? Have you done the work of asking yourself, is love the motive for what I do? The north point that you turn back to, the one that you begin to reflect upon, the one that you begin to kind of think about in your heart as you begin to ask yourself the question, is love really the motive 
in which I do what I do. Yeah, I can, I, I can use my gifts for the blessing of others. I can belong to a community, show up to a small group, do my thing here. But is love truly the motive of what I do? So Paul begins this chapter in Corinthians chapter 13. Now, before I even get into reading this chapter, I got to get a caveat from you guys. Nine out of ten people, when they get married, they use this, this chapter as their wedding verse, right? I'm not even wrong with that. It's very beautiful. It's a very beautiful chapter about love, right? But this chapter has nothing to do about wedding. You know, chapter 1 through 12, God, Paul is talking about the church being in, 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 in disunity, broken. The church is actually fighting with each other. He's, tell, he's trying to tell them how to walk, the walk, how to talk, the talk, how to be together, how to stop fighting with one another, use your gifts for each other, care for one another. You are one body, one spirit. You rejoice together, you, you, you honor together. And all of a sudden, do you think out of the blue, from 1 to 12, Paul just stops writing and says, hey, guys, hold up. I'm inspired to write about a wedding chapter. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me stop this whole entire soliloquy I'm given, right, this whole entire homily I'm giving to you, and let me just talk about a wedding chapter for you. No, right. Paul writes 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in lieu of, in lieu or whatever, right, of chapter 1 through 12 saying, in context saying, hey, look. This is your community. These are your gifts. This is the people in which you love. People in which you're, you're, you're committed to. The question now is what? Are you willing to love them? Are you willing to do it in love? What does love look like? Let's check it out. 1 Corinthians chapter, 12 verse, or chapter 13 verses 1 through 3. My question today is this. Is love the motive for the things you do? Is love the motive for the things you do? And so as you begin to kind of walk your life feeling despair, feeling all over the place. I want you guys to keep coming back to this question. Is love the motive for the things that I do? Okay. In my ministry, in my service, in my life, is love the motive for what I do? In my marriage, in my school, in my life, in my relationship. First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Is love the motive for which you do what you do? Why should love be the motive, PT? Why? Because love is the ministry of what we do. When we have ministries here at TLC, when we have things that we have, we have tech team back there, we got sports ministry, we got evangelism, we got prayer team, we got all of these groups that's doing their thing. But the question is, if you are in these groups, if you are part of serving within these groups, my question is, is love the motive of what you do? Or are you simply in there because you want to be a part of something? Are you simply in there because you have to feel like you belong somewhere? Are you simply in there because you don't know what to do with your life if you don't belong to a group? Or are you in there moving because love is what's driving you? You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, look, if you have the faith to move a mountain, a mountain, right? Do you know how hard it is to move a mountain, right? Almost impossible to move a mountain. But Paul said, if you have the faith to move a mountain, but your life does not show love, your faith is useless. If you can speak in the tongues of men, of angel, men and angels, right? If you can speak in the tongue of angels, a holy language, 
given by God, gifted by God to you to be, to, to be able to express your heart and your desire to him in a language that only the angels speak. One of the most spiritual things you can possibly experience. And God and Paul are saying, if you can do that, but you do not love resounding gong. If you give your whole life to the poor, even if you lay down your sacrifice of your own body out of a sense of pride, out of a sense of vindication, out of a sense of uh, look at me. If you do all of these sacrificial things and you do not love, Paul is saying you are nothing. Is love the motive by what you do, what you do? Right? You see, let me tell you guys this. Let me break something down for you guys. See, a religious person, a religious person knows what they do. They know what they do right and they know what they do wrong. And when the things that they do wrong, they know I should apologize for this. I should come and find some sort of repentance for this. I should go and ask forgiveness for this because I've done something wrong. That's a religious conversation. But if a Christian comes in, a Christian, this is so, this is so beautiful about Christianity because this is how it works. Christianity works like this. Christians know that we don't just repent for the bad things we do. We repent also for the good things we do. We repent for the fact of the things that we sacrifice our lives for. Why? Because we know that the good things we do, oftentimes we do it with the wrong motive. Oftentimes we do it with the sense of what? Look at me. I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want to be known. I want to be affirmed. I want to achieve. I want to say that I'm self-made. You do it with a motive that is driven simply by you. Even if it looks beautiful and lovely and awesome on the outside, a Christian recognized that the good and the bad they do, they must repent for it because they do it with the wrong motive. And Paul is saying, is love the motive of your life? Because love is what's going to take you down the road that's going to bring you purpose. Love is what's going to take you down the road that's going to get you to embrace destiny. If you do not have love, it doesn't matter what you do, you will never get to the point where God has in store for you. You will get to places, you will get to places where people will acclaim you, they will clap at you, they will say, wow, what a wonderful spirit, what a wonderful citizen, what a wonderful man, what a wonderful woman. But God is saying, this is where I want you to be, not there. This is what's going to bring you glory, not that. This is what's going to save your life, not this. So the question I'm asking is, is the things that you're doing, leaders, ministry leaders, ministry people, those of you guys who are serving, do you love within your group? Do you love the people that you are serving with? Are you willing to lay down your life for them? Let me give you three examples of what it means to love as a ministry. If love is the motive of what we do, let me give you three examples of what it looks like to love in our ministry. It's not just do our ministry, but to love in our ministry. You guys realize that? Because all these things are going to disappear. Our ministry is going to disappear. But love will never go. What does it look like? One, it's serving others. Do you choose in your ministry to serve even when you don't feel like it? Do you choose to love someone even when it does not feel convenient for you to love them? I'm not talking about ministry. I'm talking about even your, your marriage and your relationship. Are you willing to love your husband, your wife, even when it is difficult to do so? Do you choose to love them? Because it is in the choosing to love 
That is when you begin to have the depth of unconditional love. It's not about you just using your gifts and blessing people, but are you loving them in the midst of it? Are you loving people? Are you serving people? Yeah, you guys understand this. You understand this because you've all been kids, right? And I share this analogy so many times with you guys. When you were born out of your mother's womb, right, how useful were you to your parents? Not very useful. They had to feed you. They had to clean you. They had to watch over you. They had to sacrifice their money for you, their time for you, date night out the window, right? There is no going out anymore when you were born, right? I used to go out and watch movies with my wife every Thursday night when a new movie comes out, right? It was midnight showings. I haven't been to the theater in ages, man. I haven't been like, last time I went, I was like, how did it go up from like to $13.50 a ticket? What did this happen, right? When, how long have we been out of this? Are we in a different world? When did this happen, right? You were useless to your parents. And, and oftentimes, oftentimes, you were a burden to your parents. And yet, and yet, they chose to love you anyway, continuously. And you can ask any mother in the house, right? The continual choice to love their kid end up being what? An unconditional devotion to their kid. Do you choose to love someone? Or are you simply choosing and waiting to love those whom you think deserve to be loved? Love is the motive of what we do. Love is how we get down to this area of destiny and purpose. Love is what directs us there. Are you loving? Are you choosing to love? Right? What does love look like when it comes to ministry? Love is a ministry of what we do. What does it look like? It means strengthening and protecting others. Everyone here, everyone here can see everyone else. But you know the one person you cannot see? yourself. You can't see yourself. I can see you, but I can't see myself. You know why? Because I have blind spots. You have blind spots of who you are. You have areas of your life that you cannot see, but for some reason, some, some reason you're able to see about everyone else, but you can't see it in you. You need people around you loving you enough, care for you enough, who's willing to come alongside you. You don't have to have a lot of people, but you need a group of people around you. You need to be that group of people for someone around you. That says, hey, look, I love you, and this is why I'm going to give you this criticism. This is why I'm going to say this to you. It's not because I hate you. It's because I care for you. I'm going to tell you the truth about what's going on. You need people in your life to tell you the truth, not just to tell you what you want to hear. A lot of us, we love to, we love to be around people that tell us what we want to hear. We love that. But that's not protecting. That's not supporting. That's not loving anyone. Okay? It's in the ability to criticize that you can actually trust the compliment. Right? Me and my salt guys, they, 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 they know they, they rarely ever get an affirmation from me, like once in a lifetime maybe. Right? One, so maybe when they get married, I'll give them one good one, right? like a really good one there. You know? But they remember it. You know why they remember it? You know why they trust it? They trust the compliment because they live with the criticism. Right? Because the majority of the time, what the, I'm just constantly like, what is wrong with you? Right? Why do you constantly give me a headache? Why are you doing this? Right? What is, see this for yourself better, you know? Constantly giving them critical statements, brutally honest. Sometimes, sometimes I should be a little bit nicer, but sometimes, right, when the affirmation comes, right, they can trust the compliment because they've heard the criticisms because <laughs> they know I'm honest. I love them. Right? 
What does love look like? It's that you're around people who's willing to tell you the truth, not just trying to whisper and tickle your ears. That's how marriage functions. That's how people work. Coming alongside to protect. This is a blind spot that you have. Let me protect that spot for you. Because if you continue to walk on this road, you are going to let this blind spot take you to the trajectory that is going to be dark for you. What does it mean to love people? It's not an emotional love. It's coming alongside and saying, hey, let me walk with you. Right? What does it look like to love, guys? Love, if love is the ministry of what we do, if love is the motive of what we do, what does it look like to love? Are you, my brothers and sisters, seeking, seeking with everything you have to strengthen and protect those around you? Do you have people around you like that? Are you willing to let people come around you like that? Are you willing to be that person? What does it look like? It means sacrificing for others. That you would give up your energy, your time. That you'd be willing to give up. You'd be willing to walk someone in such a way where you will encourage them, fill them up with encouragement while you walk away discouraged. Where you're willing to invest your time into their life while you walk away tired. Where you're willing to say, let me offer my rights to you. Whether it's your money, whether it's your time, whether it's your energy. Do you have people like that around you? Do you do that for people? That's what love looks like. That's what love does, actually. It doesn't just sit around. It doesn't just wait and wait for a nice little feeling to come on, begin to work. The point of destiny, the point of purpose that God has in store for us is saying, look, if you're feeling disillusioned, if you're feeling despair, if you're feeling dark, if you're feeling in a place where you're running in circles, you're panicking because you don't know what's going on in your life, and you wish and you hope for something more, and you're asking yourself the question, where am I going? God is saying, look at your north point that I've given to you. Ask yourself the question, is my life motivated by love? Is what I'm doing around me motivated by love? Am I serving people? Am I sacrificing for people? Am I honoring myself to people? Am I supporting and protecting people? It's not just always about you, church. It's not always about what's going on in your life. What does love do? Why love? Because love is the motivation of what you do. Why should it be the motivation of what you do, PT? Look at verse 48. Because love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. When I was in youth group, when I was sitting in the pews as my youth pastor used to preach to me, he said, look at this verse. And put Jesus' name where you see love and it. I said, all right. So I read it. I said, I read it again. I said, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrong. He does not delight in evil, but he rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. So I'm like, praise the Lord, right? And then my youth pastor said, hey, Tony, right, put your name in there now and read it. 
I was all right, I'll, do, I'll try, right? I pick up the Bible, I say, Tony is patient, Tony is kind. Okay, I can't go on. I, I just said, I, I'm, I'm just going to be a liar if I keep reading this, right? Why do we love? Love is the reflection of divinity. Is love the motive of your life? Why do we love, PT? Love is the reflection of divinity. God is saying this. Check this out, man. This is crazy. God is saying, I have a point for you to walk. That if you would be willing to walk it, I have a road for you to go. If you trust that I am the maker of humanity, that I am that God who I say I am. If I am who I say I am, then I have a journey that will flourish you. I have a purpose for you. I have a destiny for you. It is to become like my son. It is to grow into glory. It is to grow to reflect this very image of divinity. But here's the problem. When we go through our, our, our time of disillusionment, our time of despair, our time of darkness, our time where we feel like we're running in circles, our time when we are stuck, our time when we feel cornered, our time when we feel crushed, our time when we feel like God is against us, not for us. We feel like he is punishing us. God is saying, I'm not punishing you. I'm crushing you so that I can help you soar. They're not diametrically opposed to each other. I crush you so that I can help you see glory. You cannot stand. You, you will never know. You will never know the depths of destiny unless you're willing to walk through the furnace of affliction. I'll give you an example. I, I heard this example last night. I, was, I really liked it. When you look at an eagle soaring above the clouds, you look at the eagle and you see how majestic it, it, it flies. How high it, it's the highest. It, it flies higher than any bird possible. Its eyes are as sharp as ever, even though it's that far up. And it glides with glory. And you remember the verse in the Bible that says, if you trust in the Lord, you will rise on wings of eagles. You will soar on wings like eagles. And you hold on to that promise. Like, I'm like, I trust in God. I'm going to soar. I trust in his promise. I'm going to see my blessing. I trust in his promise. I'm going to see some good that happens. And you go home. And you hear and you look at your life and what you feel and what you experience is not blessings. What you experience is not promise, what you experience is not glory, what you experience has been, it seems to be disillusionment, crushing, emptiness, darkness. You seem to be constantly running in a circle, panicking, wondering why is this happening to you. You seem to be facing a lot more struggles than you are experiencing in blessing and you're wondering maybe these things don't apply to me or maybe God has failed me. But can I tell you a story about the eagles? As beautiful as the eagle soar, the mother flies above the skies. We forget about the eaglets that sits on the cliff on the nest. Is what they call it? Eaglets? I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. Right? Eaglets. Right? All right? We forget about those eaglets that sits upon the cliff in the nest. You know, what are those eaglets doing? They got to jump. Their mom is forcing them to jump off the nest in down to the down the cliff. Is that not crushing for a child? Chicks, eagle chicks. Okay, I like eaglets better actually. <laughs> eagle chicks, right? Is it not crushing for these eagle chicks? That doesn't sound too nice. Isn't that so? Isn't that crushing for these for these babies to have to jump? The mother stops feeding them as they're hungry. Thinking, where is the next meal going to happen? 
And the mom pushes them out of the nest, out into the precipice of the rock. And then she tells them, jump. Why would mother do this to me? Why would she crush me like this? Why would she put me out to die? And as the baby jumps, flapping its wings, falling down. The very same mother that crushed the child is the mother that helps the child soar. Because what does the eagle do? She flies down underneath her baby and she lifts them up, right? Right before they fall, right before they see the death of water, she comes up and she lifts them up. You are crushed not because you are hated. You are crushed so that you can be refined to glory. He's saying when you read this, your name should be able to read through the whole entire four verses and not laugh at yourself, not sit in shame because your destiny is glory. You're meant to grow into patience. Some of us, listen, guys, you're in jobs that you hate, and, you, and I hear this a lot. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to bag on millennials, but I'm going to say it real fast, right? I hear this a lot. I say, I, I'm in a job, PT, that they don't respect my contributions. I'm in a job, PT, that they don't recognize how good I am and how great I am. I'm in a job, Tony, where they're paying me less than what I think I'm worth. You know what you should do? Just, right? One, be grateful that you have a job, right? Two, maybe it's not about the money. Maybe God is crushing you in that place, not because of the money, but he's crushing you there because of a moment. He's placing you there because he wants you to meet somebody. He's placing you there because he wants you to engage with somebody. He's placing you there because he wants you to learn what patience looks like. Not just with the words, but he wants you to know what it feels like, what it embodies, what it takes. He wants you to know what envy, what, what, what does not envy, what is kindness, the ability to be humble looks like. You're not being crushed because you're not worth it. You're not being crushed because you, you're, 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 no one's recognizing your abilities. You're being crushed so that you can be lifted towards destiny. Because love reflects divinity. Love reflects divinity. So the question is, when you begin to feel yourself in this state, losing your point, losing your focus all over the place, the question when you feel oppressed and pressured is asking yourself, do I trust the fact that I am here under this crushing for a purpose? Diamond is formed through what? Fire and pressure, right? You don't get a diamond. You don't get the beauty of a diamond simply by just hoping it happens. You got to undergo affliction and pressure. You don't get the glory and the reality and the divinity of Jesus if you're just sitting there. God is putting you under crushing so that he can soar you into glory. But here's some problem. Let me do a little caveat real fast, right? Some of you guys, you think the crushing is the end point because you've been crushed your whole life. You've been crushed your whole entire life. Things have been going wrong for you every step of the way and the only thing you feel safe in is in the is in the sense of being crushed. And so you think that is a destination for your life. But God's saying crushing is not a destination. It is a process. Your destination is glory. So sometimes you got to get out of your crushing. Sometimes you got to get up and say, I'm no longer going to just settle in sulking about my life, feeling sorry for myself, finding myself to be the victim in every single situation. I'm going to say this is a process for glory. I'm going to embrace the crushing because I know that my God is good and he is taking me towards the depth of destiny. 
because love reflects divinity. Do you find yourself doing that? Or do you find yourself running away from that? Right? Do you find yourself allowing for it to come? See, I know a lot of you guys, you get scared. Once you jump into something, it didn't work out, you feel kind of broken by it. And as, like I said in the beginning, if you know, if you know by the 15th time that you do it, the 16th time you will see, would you not go through it 16 times? You think Kobe Bryant made every single shot he did in the beginning, right? No one knows, just wakes up and just knows how to throw a basketball. You have, you have to miss a few, I think, right? But if you know that that's where you're going, if you know that's your purpose, then why would you let affliction stop you from ultimately reflecting God's divinity? If you know, listen, this is, this, let me read it to you guys. Love is patient. That's where you would be. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That is the trajectory for your destiny. That is the reflection that God is trying to mold and shape in you. That is who God is trying to make you become. And why, are then, why is it then that you are running in every possible direction away from it? Could it be that in the midst of your disillusionment, your despair, your darkness, your fears, your doubts, your brokenness, that you are not allowing the crushing to grow in you? You are not allowing it to mold you. But instead of that, you are actually living your life running away from love. Love is the reflection of divinity. Are you willing to take the pain, take the hit, maybe for a short time, if you knew that in the end of it all, you will reflect this, right? In the end of it all, that you will reflect this. Would you be willing to take the hit now? We can only love what we, what we have received. My question is, do you, do you really, have you really received that love? Have you really received his love? Because you can never seek this journey. I'm, I'm not telling you to go out there and fight your way through making yourself more patient. I'm not trying to tell you to go out there and try to be more kind and try to force your way to be more um, humble. I'm, I'm saying you can only do what you experience. You can only reflect what has been given to you. Have you received the reality of his love in your life? Have you received it? Do you know it? Is he saying, come, come, come and give what I freely give to you so that you will see the purpose that I have destined for you. Is love the motive of your life? Is love the motive by what you do? Is love the ministry in what you do? Is love the reflection of divinity in your life? Are you seeking to reflect that in your life? Look at verse 8 to 13, last one. 
For where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see it but a poor reflection as a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Is love the motivation of what you do? Why should it be, PT? Because love, love will be your legacy. Sports ministry is not going to be your legacy, right? Prayer team is not going to be your legacy. Worship is not going to be your legacy. All those things will disappear. Where there is prophesying, he says what? It will cease. Where there is tongue, it will no longer exist. But the one thing that will always be there is the question, is love your legacy? When people die, what do you remember about them? Do you remember what they loved, right? Do you remember what they cherished? Do you remember what they put as center of their life? Love is your legacy. When all those things passed away, when all the things you've been running for, that you've been holding on to, all those things that you felt like going to give you some sort of purpose, your childish thoughts, that if I can just have this, I will make my life so much better. I, it's like my son. Every time I bought this new hydro flask, right? Not, not hydro, I, I bought the cap. For the hydro flask. You know the one that, that, that you flip up and you can. I don't know where he get this from. Homie's like telling me, Daddy, I need that in my life. It, it, it's, it's so perfect, Daddy. Right? I was like, why? Why can't you? Your cap works fine. He says, no, no, Daddy. Right? It's, it's, it makes it easy. For, and he starts going down to this like list of why it's so important. So I, was like, I was like, what if I don't give it to you? He's like, I, it's okay. But if I can just have it, it will be perfect, Daddy. Right? And I was like, Really? Childish ways, right? You, you, there, there are times when you just feel like you just have to have something because once you have it, you will just feel complete. You will feel full. You will feel whole. Maybe it's you thinking, if I can just have this job, if I can just get that job, I can feel fully, fully now feel complete. If my children will finally obey me, I will finally feel complete. Those are what the Bible calls childish thinking because the only thing that will ever complete you is the love of Jesus Christ in you. And the only legacy that you will have to leave behind is not how much stuff you give to your children, how much things that you can offer them. The only legacy that you leave behind, not just for your children, but for the world around you, is how much you have actually loved. The measure of who you are is the measure of the depth of how much you have loved in this life. Love is your legacy. So here's my question, church. Are you feeling like you're lost, disparaged, disillusioned, walking in darkness, panicking because you have no idea what's going on? You have no idea what's going on around you. You have no idea where to go. Running in circles. Could it be you've lost your north point? Could it be that you in your life have taken the picture of love and you replaced it with something else? Maybe you replaced it with toys because that's what we do. Maybe you replaced it with something else, a God in your life. Something that kind of take its place and God is saying, if you will put love there, it will always direct you to where you're meant to be. I have purpose for you, church. God has purpose for your 
eternal destiny. God has purpose for your glory now. God has purpose for where he wants you to go. You're not meant to just work and die, make a living, and that's it. Enjoy a few vacations here and there. Those are great. I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm not trying to doubt those things. But you're not, that's not the all-encompassing purpose of your life. God has a destiny and a purpose for you. And he says this is the road for it. This is the north point that directs you towards it. Is love the motivating factor of your life? You got to ask that question. I'm not talking about emotional love here. You know that. I'm not talking about the... The, the, the wishy-washy, feely love that's here tomorrow, here today, gone tomorrow. I'm talking about a love that comes from a God who is willing to lay down his life for those who, who he, he did not, that did not like him, did not want him. I'm talking about love from a God who chose to serve rather than be served. I'm talking about a love from a God, right, who chose to protect with his love. Who chose to sacrifice for his love. I'm talking about a love from a God that reflects the very divinity itself. Who said that I will not leave you in your darkness, but that I will come and bring light to this darkness. That what I am, who I am, everything that is true of me, I will make true of you. For I am patient, I am kind, I do not boast, I am not self-seeking. I'm talking about love that leaves a legacy. That has transformed the world for the past 2,000 years. Do you have that love as your motivating factor of your life? If God is who he says he is, if he is true and he is real, you have a destiny. You have a purpose. But there's only one road. There's only one road. It's not multi-road, there's no crisscross, there's no shortcuts, there's no loopholes. There is one road, one point. Are we walking down that road? Is your eyes fixed on that? Do you see Jesus Christ? Is love the motivating factor of your life? I used to think.